This is State of Water. This is State of this Water. This is State of Water. This is State of Water. State of Water coming at you right now. State of Water, a podcast focusing on clean water issues and their relationship to policy, equity, community, and climate. Featuring captivating interviews with Michiganders from many walks of life, State of Water is the official podcast of the Clean Water Campaign for Michigan, a program of the nonprofit organization Title Track. Hey, this is Jenny from Title Track. If you resonate with what you're about to hear, put those feelings into action. Take the first step toward getting involved by going to titletrackmichigan.org slash contact to sign up for our mailing list. Welcome back, friends. Thanks for lending your ears. We're so happy to bring you this power-packed conversation with Carl Lindquist, the founder and executive director of the Superior Watershed Partnership. Carl was the sole employee when the Great Lakes nonprofit formed in 1999. And over the last 20 plus years, working together with a creative board, they've been able to grow the organization to 18 full-time staff and over 30 seasonal employees in their Great Lakes Climate Corps. Hope you enjoy this conversation. It highlights how Superior Watershed Partnership is truly a 100% local Upper Peninsula organization that nurtures a variety of innovative collaborations while implementing on-the-ground efforts that embrace climate resiliency as a key component to protecting our waters. The organization focuses on a wide range of community-based projects that provide documented, measurable results that benefit UP communities, enhance the UP environment, and help protect the three Great Lakes that virtually surround the Upper Peninsula. So enjoy this conversation between State of Water host Seth Bernard and Carl Lindquist of the Superior Watershed Partnership. And thanks so much for all of you who have been tuning in to recent episodes and keep your eyes open for new podcasts dropping each Tuesday through the end of the year. Here's Seth and Carl. Well, Carl, it's great to be with you today. Thanks for making time. Yeah, I'm glad you're in town. Me too. So I, I got to share with you, our family has land right where Peterson Creek and Big Creek, we call them cricks in our family. But um, I was telling my aunt and uncle that I was going to meet with you and they were like, yeah, you know, we know Carl. He's done some work on Big Creek yeah. close to where our camp is near Scandia. Right. So that's where I woke up today. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you for your work to protect our beautiful little creek there. You are welcome. I will never forget that project. It was a lot of fun and really successful at uh, documenting an improvement in the fish population in that stream. That's great. Yeah. And, and you know, I know of your work through other colleagues and through just the wide scope of it and um so you know i'm a big fan of what you do with superior watershed partnership and it was great to be a part of that panel last month up here in marquette beautiful to see your office here at prescott park i have so many great memories of this place as a kid oh i bet yeah 
And so I'd love for you to just have a chance to tell our listeners a little bit about the history of your organization. More than two decades you've been in operation. You're the founder and the ED. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a little bit about the history and, and some of what you're up to right now. Wow. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So, uh, you know, we really started as, uh, I'd like to say, a Great Lakes organization with a watershed focus, you know. Um, all the watersheds draining into Lake Superior, and, and, and then we branched out to include Lake Michigan and Lake Huron, so the whole UP, and doing all the, I guess I would say, the standard types of watershed restoration work. and um, But over the years, we've really expanded to assist wherever we, not wherever we see a need, but oftentimes uh, in areas where we didn't anticipate working. And a good example of that is as we've gotten more and more into climate work, um, it, it's actually our the umbrella that covers all the work we do, almost all the work. Um, we've even gotten into uh, assisting low-income families with uh, heating. And the only reason we're mm. doing, not the only reason, it's like people would ask, like, why are you doing that? It's because we also get to help them weatherize their homes so they have more energy efficient homes reduce their energy use and again you know reduce carbon emissions and it's a big role here and we're doing that up wide we're helping thousands of families so I'm, awesome. i i mentioned that because it gives you an idea of this spectrum of all these type the type of work we do from the field work to helping low-income families and and uh you know watershed doesn't i guess it does kind of sum it all up you know if you look at it holistically mm -hmm. uh, we do pretty much anything that happens in a watershed so yeah and it's it's like very dynamic and also very effective you know like um i think it's pretty rare for organizations to work as well as you all have with other organizations with other nonprofits, with municipalities with tribes mm -hmm. with canada yeah. So what's the secret, what's the recipe uh, around your approach to community building and cooperation and collaboration? Well, I don't know if there's a secret, but I think it's it's probably true for other uh, regions of, of the state and the country, but it's especially true in the UP. You know, it's it's a big peninsula, but there aren't that many people that live here year-round, you know. It's about mm -hmm. 300,000. And... After 20 years, we're we're pretty well known uh, mm -hmm. across the UP. So it's a local thing. I'm really proud that this is a hundred percent local. Yeah. Um, and even though we get state, federal grants, and other types of funding, we will refuse funding that says, "Well, you know, you have to do it this way." And say, like, "Well, that doesn't work for us here in the UP, so we're not going to accept that." Um, the UP is very unique. And so I think the secret, I guess I was driving at is, is that local aspect. And I mean, I'll give you a quick example. You mentioned we do work with, you know, all, almost all local units of government and all five tribes. And what we do is we respect their viewpoints, especially the tribes, whatever they want, we're happy to help. But like I learned with local units of government a long time ago and this is maybe a 
not as true now as it was in the early days. But if I went in with the environmental benefit of a project, they weren't as receptive as if we went in with the economic benefit first and then the environmental. So my point there is we may not always see eye to eye with all of our partners, but there's, we usually find a way to work with them. And uh, anyway, the, I, the main thing is I think we are all, there's a local connection and we all want what's best for the Upper Peninsula and the Great Lakes that surround us. Yeah. So it's been pretty easy in general. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So you talk about climate being the umbrella, you know, and I like to ask people how climate science informs their work. And you have these climate response crews, you know, and, you know, you have this whole Great Lakes Climate Corps 2022 project cycle coming to completion this week. Mm -hmm. You've worked with Suzuki and Bill McKibben, you know, some of the world leaders, uh, voices on climate and movement builders. Um, so it's it's been a, a huge piece of, of your work, uh, uh, you know, information, truth that supports your work. Um, I'd love to hear just, you know, from your personal perspective and also sort of giving us a lay of the land right now, mm -hmm. um, how that awareness and you talked about it some where it's like, well, you know, we understand this is an existential threat. So now we're helping people with home efficiency, right. you know, and that's going to help Lake Superior. It's a it's a larger holistic understanding. Right. Um, but how, how has that integrated itself into your work over time and, and um, especially with the climate response crews? What type of work do they do? Well, um, it's hard to summarize. They do yeah. a lot, you know, so the crews do the physical labor that's mm -hmm. required. And a lot of people don't uh, recognize how important that is. We do large-scale projects, like there's a multi-million dollar coastal resiliency project we're doing right now with the city of Marquette, where we contract, you know, heavy equipment operators and engineers, and that's the first phase of the project. But even on that project, there comes a point where, the, when you're finishing, where the native plants have to be planted by hand, mm -hmm. and, and the, the native shrubs have to be planted by hand, and that's where our crews come in. So the handwork, so there's a lot of native plant work, a lot of habitat restoration, a lot of things like on the smaller projects, erosion control and tree planting, you know, tens of thousands of trees mm. and um, trail building. That's another thing we do. And at first you might say, well, that's recreation. And it's like, well, we build more trails than any organization in the Upper Peninsula. Wow. This, this year, with over 40 members on our Great Lakes Climate Corps, they've built or maintained over 100 miles of trail. Wow. Uh, you know, with some of the national forests, some with the tribes, some with local units of government. I mentioned the trails because we're, the UP is getting discovered, as you know. Uh, mm -hmm. Tourism has gone up dramatically. Uh, especially during COVID, but it was happening even before then. And so we need to accommodate the increase in tourism if we're going to keep it sustainable, right? Yeah. That's the, the thing. You know, you can promote tourism and that's good for local businesses, but if it's starting to impact, uh, you know, our natural resources, that's where we step in. Yeah. So I could go on. That's the type of work the field crews do, though. Uh-huh. And... Uh, 
there's usually a connection to climate. Mm-hmm. And and that's why we call it the climate core. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so many young people who have experiences like that, it it, it inspires them f- for the rest of their lives. That was one of them. Yeah. 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 Me too. So I know you've been. You, this has been a hot topic up here lately, and um, there's a whole other organization that's formed around it. But you know, some of us downstate are finally hearing word about this extremely wealthy individual that wants to shoot rockets into space on the shore of Lake Superior. Can you talk a little bit about what this is and how the community is responding to it? Uh, sure, I'd be happy to. And uh, we were, you know, we've been involved since day one when this was announced to the public uh, with very little, uh, you know, advance notice. You know, our county uh, just announced it. Um, the first thing I guess I'd like to say is, it's easy to focus on the landowner who, you know, this wealthy individual who wants to make more money by selling his land, which is, you know, pretty much a wilderness property. But I think the real focus should be on the outside developers that are coming into this area, proposing this, pushing it, I should say. Because if, if that landowner wasn't available, they'd be looking for another landowner and they would find one. And my point, uh, and not just mine, but others, is like, we don't want a rocket launch at the proposed site or at any other site yeah. on Lake Superior. Um, it just doesn't make sense from a you know habitat standpoint, water quality, air quality, noise pollution, light pollution, and the overarching one again, add it all up. It's a huge climate impact. It has a huge carbon footprint. And in general, this community has been very progressive in addressing climate. And we've, I could go on and on about that. And then to have this thrust upon us, it's like, well, wait a minute. We don't want this. Mm-hmm. Overwhelmingly, the local population doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. So I guess I just want to frame it like that because right. um, it's... It's a bigger issue than just this landowner. It's mm. these developers from out of the area, and frankly, uh, our state uh, for kind of not looking into what the local people wanted before they gave a a, a grant to this organ, this other these developers to you know pursue this. So anyway, it's a it's a complex issue. Um, and another thing that drives us crazy is, uh, you know, there are many recommendations to protect Lake Superior. The U.S. and Canada have recommendations in the Lake Superior Management Plan. Our own state has good recommendations about protecting all of our Great Lakes, and that includes coastal habitat. On and on, down to local recommendations. But all these recommendations are ignored when mm-hmm. something like this comes along. Like, And that's what's very frustrating. Yeah. And if it sounds like you're familiar with the, a lot of the local uh, people here, like Powell Township. They were the last to know about this, where it actually would be located. Mm-hmm. So there's just flaws with it everywhere you look. Yeah. I'm hopeful that if, if it ever did proceed getting closer to development, it's, it's very much in limbo now from what I can tell. 
but there's very little information still, two years on. Oh, wow. Two very, years. Very into. little, yeah. Hmm. And, uh, um, but I doubt, I would hope that it would never get permitted, that it would need so many federal, state and federal permits that I would hope it, it wouldn't happen, but there's no guarantees. So the fight continues. Mm-hmm. And what's the name of the organization that's formed to fight it? It's uh, Citizens for a Safe and Clean Lake Superior. Great. So, you know, a month ago when we had the panel that you sponsored, I did a concert and I was part of Art Week with the whole water theme. Um, how do arts and culture play into your work and how important are arts and culture in the overall movement? They're super important, and they have been for a long time. Um, we uh, we also do a lot of uh, K through twelve uh, Great Lakes education, and uh, and a lot of community education in general, and uh, community events and so forth. But uh, starting in the early days, I mean, uh, fifteen uh, years ago and, and more, we we put on uh, the concert for Lake Superior, which was uh, uh, not only music, but visual arts, dance, uh, spoken word. Mm. Um, and we've gotten so busy over the years, we haven't hosted many events, but we're, we're starting to, we're in the early planning stages of doing that again, where we host an event. But in addition to that, we do a lot with uh, other organizations related to the arts and involve artists um for instance a a local uh, artist uh, after a storm event gathered up all the plastic that she found on the beach and made this ironically beautiful piece of art with this plastic Mm. pieces and i can show it to you downstairs but um and we'll take that around to school kids and you know she'll talk to them and we'll talk to them and and it's just powerful when you incorporate the arts I guess the only other thing I wanted to say, I could go on and on about that, but uh, we're really excited about uh, working with the city of Marquette. We helped them secure a, a, a large National Endowment for the Arts grant, and we're helping them launch the Lake Superior Cultural Arts Trail. And it's... Um, going to go along the entire lakeshore in the city of Marquette where the bike path currently is but it'll have artwork and informative uh, signs dual language with the uh, Anishinaabe and English and will really feature a lot of the local uh, Native American heritage and Native American artists but it's not limited to that so it'll be other uh, immigrant uh, history and art uh, it's really it's evolving and it's a beautiful project and um, our crews will be helping with uh, some of the native plant work and other things. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. Where exactly will that be? Well, it'll start near the Carp River where there was once uh, an Anishinaabe village uh, prior to, you know, European settlement and then extend all the way up here to our office about Mm. eight, eight or nine miles along the lakeshore. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. Wow. Okay. So this is always a fun question that I ask in my podcast, but if you could have any artist of all time 
do a benefit concert for Superior Watershed Partnership, who would you choose? A benefit concert? So it's your, you're saying music? Yes. Okay, music. so I was, I, was, music. I was just going to talk about Gary Snyder. Oh, well, uh, let's, let's bring Gary a, Snyder into Reed. Well, he's still going. He's in his 90s. Yeah. And uh, I've actually been uh, writing to him, and he's, uh, it's been, he's one of my heroes. Wow. And this book has inspired me since I was a young man. And, and it's kind of how we structure, and the title of the book, by the way, is The Real Work. Cool. And it's uh, what, uh, how we structure things here. We focus on the real work of, you know, on the ground work that can be documented and, and measure improvement and uh, yeah, for the environment. And so uh, he's an inspiring author and poet for me. But as far as the concert, I would have to say um, Bruce Coburn. Off the top of my head. Nice. Because uh, it seems like he, he'd be into it, too. Yeah, I think he might be. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a big fan. And he's a Canadian, so we, you know, share this lake with Canada. and Right. And uh, I think we could lure him if we had the wherewithal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love that. So, Carl, how can our listeners get involved with your work and, and show their support? Well, there's a, a number of ways. Um, if, you, if you're in the area or visiting the area, we have uh, volunteer events throughout the summer and fall, you know, planting beach grass, clean, beach cleanups, tree planting, things like that. But, uh, and then for uh, college students and others, I mean, they could work for us during the summer uh, with the Great Lakes Climate Corps, and we have internships and things like that. But uh, I guess the main thing is, you know, reach out if you want to get involved. And there's almost always something we could use uh, help with. Great. And it's superiorwatersheds.org? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. And thank you so much for your work. Yeah, thank you. That was fun. Awesome. All right. Keep up the good work. Okay. <laughs> Powered by the Clean Water Campaign for Michigan. This campaign represents an opportunity to help place clean water issues front and center by partnering with environmental organizations across the state, by educating voters, and by urging every candidate running for public office to make a strong stand on critical issues affecting Michigan's waters. Using storytelling and music events across the state to amplify the groundswell of public support for clean water issues, this campaign is driven by Michiganders from all walks of life who share a similar priority, protection of our water. Both State of Water and the Clean Water Campaign are programs of the Michigan-based nonprofit Title Track. Their mission, engaging creative practice to build resilient social ecological systems that support clean water, racial equity, and youth empowerment. <laughs>